0: turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John is where we're going to be. Chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Specifically verse 3 through 6 is where we're going to land today. We've been in a series called Daring. I'm going to define what door daring means so that we all have a good understanding of The foundation that we're launching from when we talk about these different weeks and today, especially this word daring means adventurous, audaciously bold. Bold, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort. Or bold, especially when it comes to the convention of the way you think about something. So when you're daring, you're doing this in an adventurous and a bold way. It means to live a full life what i have been presenting over the last handful of weeks and pastor jeff did a great job i think 2 weeks ago was presenting to you that a daring life is probably the life you were designed to live and it's the best life most fulfilling life it's 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 going to present some struggle but life is a struggle anyway and so i would rather in that struggle live a daring life and so um, we started out with daring to believe, daring to follow, daring to move, and specifically do this in compassion. Last week I talked about having daring obedience. And now I, I'm going to, in a second, I'm going to ask you how that went, uh, how this daring obedience, this homework that I gave you last week, to, to dare to obey and be daringly obedient to God. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check in with you. But first, I want to read this passage in First John chapter two, verse three. Now I'm reading from a translation called the Passion Translation. I don't normally read from this translation, but I'm reading from it today because a number of the verses we're gonna go through, the language is so clear for what we're talking about. I wanted us to be able to grab a hold of this so that we can have a firm understanding. It starts out and it says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. There's this connection between your knowing God and your obedience to God. And then it says this in verse 4, the very next verse is, If someone claims I have come to know God by experience, yet doesn't keep God's commands, he is a phony, and the truth finds no place in him. Now, what I find really interesting about this scripture, it says, if I claim... I've come to know God by experience. You know what this tells me? This tells me that, uh, that there's a couple different ways that I can know somebody. Okay? I can, I can know somebody by uh, theory, or I can know them because I've walked with them. And I'm going to use a really funny example. You could tell me you know how to make chocolate chip cookies. You could Google it and tell me, you could regurgitate the information to me and tell me how to make chocolate chip cookies. And you could claim that you are a trustworthy source on how to make the most amazing chocolate chip cookies. Because you Googled how to make amazing chocolate chip cookies. Okay? And, and, and And you are like asserting your authority as a trusted source in this but you've never stepped into a kitchen and you've never had that moment when you put all the ingredients in a bowl and you stick the, like, the egg beater down in the bowl and, and you turn it on and everything goes everywhere and it's a mess and then you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And you're like, mental note. I really am learning now how to know how to make chocolate chip cookies. See, there's a difference between having the knowledge, the know of something and the experience of I've done this before. Okay, And so this is presenting to you and I, I have come to know God by experience. It's not that I read scripture about him. It's not that I sat and I listened to somebody tell me about who God is from a platform. But you've experienced him. Verse 5 says, but the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God. This word Intimacy. Strikes an interesting chord to us when it comes to our relationship with God, and not just by saying I am intimate with God, but proven by walking out His commands. So fo- follow me for a second. <clears throat> Last week I I said, let's step in because we can do anything. How many times? You could do, can I? I just want to say you, you can do anything one time. Okay, so. I I, I I presented to us. Hey, can we be daring in our obedience to God this week? Now I'm, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask this question. How you know how how did it you know how did that go? Because if you treat it like you know you know that diet, you're like you know I had every intention to start being obedient Monday, but then I was like, forget it. We'll start next Monday. Or maybe you're, maybe you're like me and you're, you really desperately want to, to have daring obedience, but maybe, just maybe, perhaps, you don't have quite enough trust yet that God is going to deliver on, on what he says, that he is who he says he is. And, and, and I want you to know something, that's, like, that's not a bad thing. I'm just, I'm asking the question and saying, these are the realities. So follow this train of thought that maybe it's that we don't trust enough yet. And trust, how do you fix lacking or broken trust? This is a question. How do you fix a lacking or, or even a broken trust? And we're gonna talk about that today, but I will tell you that we all have trust issues. I said this last week. We, I was like, we had trust issues, baby. Like here's how I know we have trust issues because we've all experienced hurt harm or pain in our life that make us wanna recoil and not trust. And trust issues really are intimacy issues. And if you and I, in our, in our human community, if we have any degree of trust, we're gonna also have a degree of intimacy issues. If we have a, a degree of trust issues, we're gonna have a degree of intimacy issues. And intimacy is important because it closes the gap. And it, it's what allows for restoration and deep connection to happen. Today, we're gonna talk about daring Intimacy. But we need to get some things straight first. Number one, I want to say that daring intimacy is a heart condition. This word that we used, as I read in 1 John 2, 4, it says, you know, I have come to know God by experience. This word, know, one of my favorite words in Scripture, in the Greek, the word is gnosko. And this is simply what the word means. It means that you, you have moved past being able to tell me how, and the recipe for making cookies and you've you've moved into the mess of making them and you've experienced what it's like to walk through this that that that's probably the simplest way to describe it but let me describe it relationally what this means it it means to live intimately it's It's a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person. Here's the key to that. Here's the key to that relationship, as I just described. Intimacy involves the experience of safety, vulnerability, and being deeply known. It's to know, but also to be known. It's what we would say as Intimacy. Now, here's where it gets a little bit strange. Daring intimacy moves far beyond sex. Why do I say that? Because in our current culture, we have made synonymous, we've made interchangeable the word intimacy and sex. We see it as one and the same. So we use language like, well, we were intimate or they became intimate. Like, what do you mean? And like, oh, you know what I mean, right? That is is not intimacy. This is of the way we we have we have to understand this and get this, and I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you why. Because if you said to me first and foremost, now okay, it's me as a person. If you said first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus, Pat, you need to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. I'd like. Hmm. Now, I'm, again, I'm 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 just I'm going to be transparent. This is just me. When you say that to me as a man. And you say, hey, Pat, and, th- and, th- and this is a challenge. I've had I have really close friends around me that are challenging me with this. Do you have any really close intimate relationship with guys around you? And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Do I want that? So we have to address this idea. When I tell you that we need to step into daring intimacy, I'm not talking about sex. Let me define for you what this means. You can have sex with somebody and never know them. You can have sex with somebody and never be known by them. Physical expression of intimacy is one expression. And sex being one of the physical expressions, it is one expression of intimacy, but it is not intimacy. We can step into being physically intimate with someone and withhold our heart completely. So this goes beyond this goes beyond sex. Let, 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 let's say that you're sick. Let's say that you're not feeling well. And in our house, the. The best way, if you're, if you're feeling like you got a bit of a cold or you're not feeling well, the best way to remedy that is we've learned. Me and my wife, you know, we grew up in Oceanside, so we're like, man, we need some caro de, de pollo. Right? You know what that is? Chicken soup, baby. But you need some, like, authentic chicken soup. So you need to go down to, like, for us here, we go to Lourdes over here. And we're like, hola. <laughs> Mi esposa está muy enferma. Right? Some of you are like, what? So what happens when you grow up in Oceanside? All right, and then I, I order some chicken soup and I bring it home. Or, or perhaps you're not feeling well and I, I, I get some caldo de pollo and I take it to your house. And I'm like, here, you just need some of this. You need to feel better. And, I, and, and this is an intimate motion, right? But I could, I could extend this to you physically, but I all at the same time, could withhold my heart from even you knowing me and me knowing you. It could just become an act. Are, are you with me this morning? And so we have to move beyond the expressions and understand what intimacy is. And it, it's, a, it's a heart condition. See, Satan in the Garden of Eden, what, what was his ploy and his plan? His plan was, hey, I need to break the daring intimacy between man and God. I need to disconnect their hearts. I need to disconnect the relational, uh, the deep relational equity that humanity has with their creator. I need to break this. And so sin enters the picture. And what's the first thing that man does after sin enters the picture? Veils himself, guards himself. It's a physical act, but it has spiritual, emotional, and mental implications. God's looking for, for Adam and he's like, Adam, where are you? Why he's pursuing intimacy. Let me tell you something. All the while Adam had blown it and Eve had blown it, God was still pursuing intimacy. I don't care what it is that you've done in your life. I don't care what you've seen in your life. God is still pursuing. He's still calling you in the garden. He's still calling out to you. Where are you at? I want to be with you. I, 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 God is like, I, ha- I want to have an intimate relationship with you. And the first thing humanity does is we veil our hearts. We close our hearts off, don't we? So we end up in relationships where we're like, man, I'm just gonna close my heart off and I'm just gonna go through the routine. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna hold your hand. I'm gonna hold your hand in this relationship. You can do this with your employers. You can do this with friends. You can do this with family members. You can do this with spouses. You can do this with your children. Children, you can do this with your parents. And we just close our hearts off. This is symptomatic of sin and what the enemy wanted to break from the very beginning. And it started with breaking this daring intimacy between God and mankind. Now, Satan has distorted intimacy for the sole purpose of distorting our view of an intimate relationship with God. So if we can make intimacy all about sex and sexuality, if we can, if we can make inti- int- intimacy today... About I can pick up the phone or, or, or probably more contextually, I can DM somebody and we can just get together, Netflix and chill. Some of you have no idea what I just said, or why that means something. Some of you are like, I get it, I get it, just move on, dude. Listen, what we've realized is we can actually mask our real selves behind the act of sex. And behind your true authentic self, who you are, who you were designed to be, your original design, you can mask that behind physical affections while withholding your heart and never being known. And the enemy is distorting this in our society. This is the battleground. Now, when the enemy wins the war on the battlefield of your intimate life, the enemy is actually winning your heart. That's why we have to talk about daring intimacy. The enemy is winning right now, in my opinion, in so many ways by perverting and twisting this idea of intimacy. Yeah, intimacy is this, that built inside of you is an insatiable desire to be loved and to know you belong. And how do you know that you're loved and you belong to something? through intimacy. It's from knowing and being known. And this, this, this is and always has been, and it will be until Jesus comes back, this is going to be the battle in humanity. It's over your heart. There's a battle of your heart. Why? Because the enemy wants to occupy the biggest part of your heart. The enemy wants you to have other things and people occupy the biggest parts of your heart because daring intimacy is a heart condition. Now, I want to tell you something. Daring intimacy is born and it has a life. And I love this depiction of of intimacy. This is, I'm going to read for you in Psalms 139. Now, I want to give you the understanding. The guy who wrote this, his name is David. And David wrote most of the Psalms, not all the Psalms. He wrote a lot of the Psalms. David was a really intimate guy. He had this intimate relationship with God. And God says about David in in the Bible that this guy was after his heart. Why? Because intimacy is a heart condition. Did David make mistakes? Wow. Wild ones. The guy was a bit of a train wreck at times. I mean, I can relate. Like I read, the book. I read all the stories about David and Samuel, and I read about him in Psalm and what he's saying in psalms. And I'm just like, I get this guy. Train wreck, I'm here with you. And I love what he's saying in this, in, in this psalm. And David was an amazing songwriter. And so you may not know this, and so I, I, I want to I present to you this picture. David was the king at this point. He would walk around, and he would have servants with him. That as David would walk, he'd get these melodies in his head. He'd get these lyrics, and he would say to his servants, Hey, take this melody and go run off. And I want you to take this melody, take this lyric, take this beat, this drum beat. Back to the drummers. Take this. Take take this. This is what the horn instruments need to play. This is what the stringed instruments. And he and he would he he was like an he was like an an orchestrator of all this music that was happening in a place called the Tent of David, where the presence of God dwelled. This intimate place that David put the Ark of the Covenant when he brought it back into the safety of the nation of Israel, and there was music going on. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this happened for like 33 years. Now I want to tell you, it's in this place. David is now walking and he says to his servant, here's a song that I want you to take. And this is what he says. This is the song. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You know that word know, we just talked about it. This is the Old Testament version of Gnosko. This is the Old Testament version in the Hebrew and the word is yada. It means to like deeply and intimately know everything there is to know. Yada, not to be confused with Yoda because Yoda knew everything, right? But this is yada, like (laughs) the God of yada created Yoda. Some of you were like, Yoda's not real, bro. I know that, but it worked for the picture. You saw it in your brain, okay? So listen to this. This word yada is to know, perceive, understand, to be intimate. So with that set of ears, David starts proclaiming this intimacy that God has for him. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. Can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody that can do this? Women? I just want to tell you something. I think this is what every woman wants from a man. Don't you know what I'm thinking? And I'm like, no, because you're thinking it. And I don't read minds. You have to tell, and like my, like, I have deficiencies that you have to tell me explicitly. So like, ladies, let your man off the hook. Just tell him. Okay. He's not God. (laughs) He doesn't know your every thought. But that's our desire in life. Man, can you imagine living in a relationship? And and, and so what David's presenting to you and I, there's this relationship we were built for with God that, that looks like this. And he says, you are so intimately aware of me. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. And you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. God is deeply, intimately pursuing you and after you and involved in your life. And God is an intimate God who designed you for intimacy. It, it, it says in the beginning of Scripture in Genesis, it says that, let us, the word plurality, us, let us make man in our image. And what is this saying? It's saying, God is saying, let us. Who is us? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are living in this perfect picture of intimacy. Of knowing and being known by one another. Let us, let this perfect intimate environment, let this perfect intimate relationship Let you, that you as individuals, that us as a community are made, designed out of intimacy, born out of intimacy to be intimate beings. It's insatiable. You crave it. You will go and I will go to any length possible. We will actually descend into the darkest of relationships and darkest of circumstances in order to get a hit a glimmer of intimacy, even, even if it's not true intimacy. We will do whatever we have to. It's built inside of us. It's a good thing and the enemy has distorted it, but we have to know we are intimate beings because we were created out of intimacy by an intimate God. When we cease... So first and foremost, when we cease to give all worth, attention, and affection toward the perfect, intimate God, immediately, okay, I want you to know something. There's no, like, plateau. This happens immediately. Because you and I are hardwired to always do this, okay? You're going to become intimate with what you value and what you find worth in. And the moment that we cease to do that, here, focus on me. Don't be distracted. The moment you cease, you immediately becoming, you start becoming overactive in placing intimate value on people and things that are flawed. We have to understand this. And you are, you are going to become intimate You're going to open your heart up to what you value, even if what you value, what you're showing value to is abusive. Because we're hardwired for intimacy. God puts up this daring fight for intimacy with us, that he displays the value that he has for our lives. So th- this is a very famous uh, passage I'm about to share with you, and, and some of you might even be able to recite it before I even get it out of my mouth. It's this, it's a scripture in, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, For God loved the world so much, he loved humanity so much, that he gave his one and his only Son. That seems daring. Why does that seem daring? That seems daring. He, he's, he's going after this connection between you and I. Why? Because he is is daringly intimate with us. So he's gonna do what seems profoundly and deeply, wildly reckless and daring and bold when it comes to conventional thought. When we sing the song, Reckless Love of God, there's there's this really interesting debate, like God's not reckless. It's like, that's not what the songwriter was saying. What he's saying is God was daring in his pursuit of intimacy for you. And daring means that I'm gonna be this bold disregard for human convention of thought. Perspective. If I had one son, I don't have any sons, right? If I had one son, I don't even know what i do. But uh, you know, out of seven daughters, if I had one son, let me, let me say, you, you would say to me, if you, if you were daring enough, if I said to you, I'm, I'm gonna give my one son for your lives. You may say, Pat, that's very reckless to do with the life of your son for these individuals. That's how daring God is in his pursuit of this intimacy with us, that he would give his son one and only out of love, out of the bed of intimacy. And God is pursuing a connection with you and I. And God's daring intimacy is gonna fulfill something in you that no human connection can. We can try and try and try and try. We, we could enlist ourselves to be part of the coolest clubs. We can try to put on all the right outfits so that we fit in with the right crowd. We, we, we can try to give our hearts over to people prematurely by giving our bodies over relationally to people prematurely, hoping for a hit to satisfy this desire for intimacy in us. And and if we center this idea of daring intimacy on a flawed humanity, we are going to get nothing but flawed intimacy. God did not design you for fake. He designed you to receive a fullness a lifelong fullness, an eternity of fullness. When you know God and you're known by God. And I love in John seventeen three. it says, and this is the way to have eternal life. This forever thinking that I could maybe suggest to you today that there's a way for you to forever be known and for you to forever know. That we can put this whole thing to rest once and for all. This idea of you not belonging and you not fitting in and you fighting and struggling for something that God, he created you to fit and and, and he's the one that actually, he dictates that. He gives definition to you. He's, He's the designer. He gave you the original design. He's the one who purposed you, the authentic you, the genuine you, the undisputed genuine you. And you find that in his presence. You find that when you're daring in your intimacy with him because that's what he created you for. We have, found, I want to say, we have found substitutes for this. We do this to protect our hearts. To, we do this to fulfill promises we've made to ourselves, where we've said, this is never gonna happen to me again. When you dared to be intimate with a person or in a situation and you were hurt, you were brokenhearted, you were abused, you were left, you feel lonely, Is saying, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, God, the only God, the only true one, to you, Jesus Christ. The one that Father you sent to earth. This is the only way. This is what we were made for. Because daring intimacy was born from an intimate God. Now, I'm gonna wrap up. I'm gonna say a few things. Number one, I want to tell you there's a real tension it's created when we walk into a daring intimacy with God. When in my opinion, when I look around socially, culturally in our communities, when I turn on the news for a blip of a second, what I'm seeing is the deep disconnection and loneliness. This is where we're at as a society. So how, next week we're going to talk about This deep intimacy we have with God, but how do we work through the tension of the intimacy that we're actually called to with one another? And we're dealing with flawed people. We want to withhold, but we're created for more. We're going to talk about it because we need to deal with it. Why don't you stand this morning? I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to have a bit of a challenge for us. I'm going to do this a couple times very quickly. I want you to know that intimacy with God is predicated on how much real estate of your heart that God occupies. Intimacy with God is predicated on how much real estate of your heart God occupies and how much of your heart that he knows rather than the amount of religious acts that you're operating in. talk to individuals and I see in my own life the moments where I'm like, well, I'm praying seven times a day and I'm listening to like Air One and and I don't listen to, I got the worship music going on and I, I use all the Christian words and I show up to church and, you know, I I, I give money to the church and I serve and I do all, that, all this religious stuff but it, it, I, I've said to you and I think we've established it's possible for you and I to do all these things but withhold our heart from God. God doesn't want all that stuff. He wants your heart. you know the manifestation of God having your heart is you're going to do those things? Here's the, here's the shift. It looks the same on the surface but motive matters. You're going to be doing all those same things but you're going to be doing it from a place of freedom. Not obligation. You're gonna lose your mind and your ability to like, I am so loved, I am so attended to in this deep, intimate relationship with God, I can't help it but overflow in these areas. It's predicated on how much real estate in your heart that God occupies. How much real estate in your heart does God occupy in the moment? Zero? Maybe there's a corner of your heart Whatever it is, he wants it. So this week, ask God to help you identify one area. You can do anything, how many times? So God, identify one area. I picked one area because man, in my life, there's probably 10 areas. And I don't wanna have surgery on 10 different parts of my heart at once. I'm like, God, can we just do one at a time? Because that makes me feel a little bit safer, okay? So intimacy is born out of safety, so I, I want this to be a safe experience. God, what is one area that I need to give more of my heart over to you? This is my prayer for you this week. Let's close our eyes. So I'm gonna give you a scripture, a challenge and a scripture and we're done. Ephesians 1:17, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. God, reveal to our hearts, where we need you to occupy more. The spirit of revelation, to know him, God, through your deepening and my deepening intimacy with him. Spend time with him this week doing this. And then I want you to activate that. I want you to step into, learn, step into and activate one truth this week about God in regards to his daring intimacy that he pursues, pursues you with. Here's an easy one. I'm gonna give you the scripture. We just read it, Psalm 139.5. It says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. Now, some of you have have experienced excruciating pain in your life, abuse, brokenness, loneliness, You've seen devastation, you've seen destruction. It is difficult for you, and I wanna tell you something. I have experienced these things in my life. I personally have walked through the experience of things in my life where the enemy wanted to twist and pervert and skew my idea of intimacy. And he wanted to rob and steal and destroy and to kill my ability to love God and be loved by God. I've walked in it. I'm not gonna share with you all the details of that. But I want to tell you, I've walked in it. And this is an important part that God, you've gone into my future to prepare that. Do you know that while the brokenness was happening, you know, right in that spot, right where that thing occurred, you know, right in that trauma, right in that devastation, right in that destruction, right in that abuse, right in the middle of that scandal of a spouse cheating on you, a loved one um, um, taking and and, and breaking trust with you, right in the middle of that. Do you know that God at the exact same time, he was there, he had his hand on you. And at the same time, he was preparing your way forward in that. And I love this because it also says that he doesn't only prepare the way, but he guards us from the back to be able to be sure that that past thing doesn't creep up on you and make its way to the forefront and take advantage of you and tell you that you need to keep believing the lies that the enemy wants to propagate over your life. The enemy wants to keep perpetuating this lie over your life. He wants to bring up the shame. He wants to bring up the regret. He wants to bring up the guilt. He wants to say, see this thing? It's catching you. You better get more religious with God. You need to to run fast. In your religion because you need to outrun your shame and your guilt and your hurt and your pain. You need to outrun the mistakes that you made. And I'm telling you this morning, God's grace is sufficient to cover all of those things. He's prepared in a grace-centered, heart-filled, loving God, deeply intimate in His pursuit with you. He's prepared the way forward for you and He's guarded you from behind. He's dismantled the enemy's plan. We just have to step in with daring daring intimacy to say God I want to be known by you to a deeper degree and I want to know you more than anything because in that place I can walk into the fullness of who I am I personally am tired of seeing people's lives completely ravaged by this one thing is the bridge to restoration. God wants to restore those things that were broken, that were stolen, that were robbed, the hurts and the pains. And I don't want you to walk out of here without that process taking place, beginning. If you're on our online campus and this is you, you can just say, hey, that's me. Someone on our, our stream team is going to take you offline and going to pray with you, pray for you. They're not going to counsel you. They're like, we're not counselors. They're not in there to like dissect. They just want to pray with you. They want to come alongside you. If you're in the room, if this is hitting home, do not leave this place. Take full advantage of the opportunity and say, I refuse. I refuse to walk any longer with a closed heart. I want to walk and I want to live life with an open heart. Daring Intimacy. I would ask you to do this. If you could just, if you feel comfortable, so open your hands up. When we open our hands up physically, it's, it's like a spiritual signal that we're opening our hearts. That's it. That's all we're doing. Father, I just pray right now, every heart, every hand that's just that's being open to you right now. I just pray right now for freedom. God, I pray for freedom. Freedom from this idea that we aren't worth it. We can't come back from the guilt and the shame, the decisions or the offenses. Whether you're the offender or you've been offended. Like this is your comeback story that you're willing to step into daring intimacy with God. That it's a heart condition and God is after your heart here this morning. That your willingness to say yes. So I, I, I actually want us just to say yes right now. Just say yes, Father. Father, we just say yes this morning. We just say yes this morning. God, we're not going to stop saying yes until we feel like our hearts are exploding, that you, you, you've you, occupied so much of our hearts that we feel like a balloon that is thin, that's ready to burst. And I'm actually going to take it a step. God, burst our hearts. Burst the balloons of our hearts. Burst the capacity that we think we can be loved. Burst the capacity of intimacy that we think for ourselves. God, that we would understand. We would have new revelation of the intimacy that you created us for. That we could understand the depths of your love to a deeper degree. It says that love casts out all fear. God, I I speak against the fear right now the enemy would have us walk in. To say, I I refuse to let go. Pat, this is a good preach, but there's no way I'm going to let God reach my heart. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say amen. I'm going to do all the, but I, I speak against that fear right now. The perfect love of the Father casts out all fear. If you need prayer this morning, this moment has been woven together in the history of time for you right now. Believe it as we step into daring intimacy. Jesus' powerful name. Everyone said, Amen.